Hello, U.S. Census. Want to avoid having an enumerator knocking at your door this spring? Fill out the 2020 Census today online at www.mycensus2020.gov or by calling 844-330-2020. It's safe, it's easy, and all of your responses are confidential. In 2020, make them count you. Hello, this is Ergo. It is indeed. I'm Kiss. I am Damon. And what we do here is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more equitable and creative. What we've been doing for the last, damn, over a month now here in the middle of this pandemic is interviewing the folks on the line fighting to keep us safe, help us heal, and use this pandemic as a moment to emerge in a more equitable world. Um, we have a very special guest on the line with us today. Sama from DCH1 Amazonians United is here. The horse one still feels we're remote. Um, <laughs> let's start where we, where we always start. Um, in this time, in this moment, in this season, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? The world right now, um, the universe, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's one of those moments uh, when it just feels like the, the stars, the planets, um, everything is aligned. Like I'm doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason with the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we're going through a pandemic. There's a lot of suffering. Um, there's a lot of sickness. Um, there's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. But um, we've been building for like the past, uh, you know, for, for a while now. And I think that it's prepared us for this moment. And now we're making the most of this moment. So um, I, I feel like it's it's um, it's just it's treating me it's treating me real good, even even through a hard a hard time. What was the other part, though? How are you treating the world? That one's always harder. I think I'm trying to treat it. I think I'm treating it as. As good as I can, I'm trying to um, not hurt, not not bring any more hurt to the world. And I'm trying to bring as much healing as I can into the world, as much love as I can into the world. So um, that's what I strive for my contribution to be. Beautiful. So we, we have a theory that I'm, I want to be aware of. I don't want to contradict. Uh, we have this thing we call big talk. Where, where we get into like the real the real deep shit and we always say like it's almost inappropriate to jump right into big talk <laughs> we need to like lubricate with some medium talk but that's hard for me right now because the work that you do is so big particularly in this moment right like Amazon the way like Ford was 80 years ago um, is the like proverbial symbolic space of work and labor struggle right uh, and so I, I, I'm cautious of myself because I feel like I'm about to put all of the weight of the political economy on this conversation. <laughs> so I'm trying to slow myself, just giving that warning. So I'm. A, this is hopefully some medium talk from your check-in. Uh, you said that there's been this preparation uh, over the last few years, and I really want to like tease some of that out before we get into the right now, because I think what we've learned over these last six weeks is that there's a lot of people who are responding on the ground. Um, and this responsiveness is not coming from reaction. It is coming from a preparedness and like doing a lot of groundwork. So for you, what are some of the like highlighted beats before the intensity of this crisis that you feel prepared the work that's going on now? 
Was that medium enough, guys? Did that, that feel solidly medium on okay. my end? <laughs> right. Hey, that's a, that's a solid start. Um, <laughs> the, the middle's still a little bit red, but the outside's yeah. still crispy. Yeah, no, it's cooking. <laughs> I think the um, some some of the the important preparation work is is basically just having a solid crew, just having a solid crew with a big idea, with a big vision that's been working towards that vision and been working to build up organization that goes through f- several tests. You know, goes through various cycles of fighting, resting, reflecting, fighting again, um, reflecting again, going through a little bit of downtime, uh, going through an uptime. I think that's what that's what allowed us to be uh, somewhat prepared for this moment, because then it's like, all right, you know, we're not just coming out of the blue uh, with nothing, nothing behind us. Like we're coming with some proven victories um, and with a solid crew. That's moving forward in some sort of synchronized manner, um, or at least going kind of like at the same at the same rhythm or a similar rhythm. Uh, that you know, it, it makes you know when 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 you get hit by something hard and you have that, then you're able to like kind of just adapt your rhythm to whatever's what whatever you get hit with. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those uptimes, some of those victories, some of those challenges before the pandemic descended. What have y'all been doing? How did you come together? Just like. Just a, a brief history uh, of uh, of the crew that you're so happy to be in sync with. Yeah. Um, so, pause me if I if I'm getting too long winded. Uh, there's a lot of story. <laughs> there's yeah, a lot I, of I told story you there. To tell the history of the, <laughs> one of the most important labor organizations. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's not yeah, me. Not so, on you. <laughs> um, here, here in Chicago, um, because this this movement is is bigger than just than just Chicago. But um, here in Chicago, specifically at DCH1, specifically 28th and Western, um, it's, uh, you know, Amazon delivery station. Um, it's the place where the packages uh, that if you're a prime member, you order packages. It's the last stop before they get put into a van and, and dropped off at your doorstep. The conditions there have... Uh, been angering. Uh, I've been there for about uh, almost three years now. Um, and similar to many other jobs, you know, it's 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 not that I think Amazon is something some sort some some new uglier sort of beast. It is ugly in in its own particular sense, and it's huge in its own. In I mean, it's it's owned by the biggest richest man in the modern history of the world. Um, you know, they, they treat us like like children there. They treat us with a complete lack of respect. Um, you know, they they tell us. Um, to work faster all the time. They um, treat us like we're like we're robots. Um, and all of this, they say to us, like with a big smile on their face, you know, um, with a big like, like Amazon cheer, um, little like claps that they want us to do at the beginning of the shift. Um, you know, they want they, they want us to like, thank ourselves for for all the hard work that we do that we were managed to move more packages one night than the other night just this ridiculousness that like just gets to everyone it's a real soul-sucking place Hmm. um and it basically came down to like all right we've we've had enough like there's just so many issues that we're just pissed about that we got to do something about at least one of them but we got to do something uh and so we came together um at a Krispy Kreme down on uh on the south side uh, of Chicago, that was like the central like location um, that we we were able to find, and we had a meeting um, because uh, Amazon wasn't providing us with with regular and clean access to water, um, and so we uh, I mean that was like one of the issues, but we had like a small it was a small meeting, you know, it was like people that um, I had been working with for the past what one and a half years, 
and uh, you know, and told me, you know, on various occasions, oh, this is messed up. Oh, we got to do this. Oh, we should all go on strike. Oh, we should walk out. Oh, we need to do a blockade. Um, you know, we got to teach these people a lesson, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it just came to a point where uh, myself and another person were like, you know what? Let's um, let, let's actually have a meeting about this. Let's try and do something. And that's where we started uh, our campaign for water. We started a petition. Did a like got 150 signatures on it um, with coworkers over the over the next several weeks. Um, and then we turned it in during uh, the beginning of the shift. Um, and we immediately got a response from the manager. He was just standing in the middle of the circle of, of us doing our stretches and stuff. He asked for like, you know, what's a safety, uh, safety tip for the day. And, uh, you know, we just raised our hand. Well, I got a safety tip. Uh, 150 of us have a safety tip. We need water. I'll take care of it right away. And basically it, he, he, he went out to the grocery store within two hours. We had several cases of water, hmm. uh, which we, we hadn't had before uh, in, the, in the weeks before, even though there had been people that had been like passing out from dehydration. <sighs> Not a lot, but you know, still there's people um, that have been taken in a, in a, in a fucking ambulance. So um, we saw that change. And then like a couple weeks later, so a couple days later, I mean, the site lead comes in and says uh, uh, to other shifts that we're not on, um, oh, I just started here and, you know, I, I saw that there were so many problems and I saw that we needed a water solution. And so I came and brought you all water and we're going to install water lines and we're going to continue giving you water bottles um, and this and that. And uh, like th- we were like, what the like people because people since they signed the petition, they were like, well, we got it. We got it because we did something. Mm. And like that was the beginning. That's when like that was the first spark when people were like, OK, when we do something, we get something we can win. And so, like, that started just snowballing into more. Um, yeah. And with that little core of people um, that, like, sometimes people, some people left, but other people joined. And as we continued moving around other issues, like, that core, we just, it just continued expanding and expanding. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's also interesting. I, I'm going to, I just want to be as transparent as possible. I'm going to have so many curiosities, so many questions. I don't know how to contain myself. I'm going to need both of your help. <laughs> to pull to back. Like keep, you know, if it's too much, let me know. Well, I mean, that, uh, that's the game, Damon. So, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get more of these stories and your perspective. Uh, like, one, something that triggered off is the dehydration. You know, I hear about Amazon nationally, and I can't pinpoint in place where things are happening. But, like, one of the horror stories I hear is, like, instead of improving conditions, there are just ambulances on standby because what you name as dehydration is something I, or falling out from, like, being overworked is something I hear about. So I just want to put a pin in that uh, about like the, the physical body and like the strain um, and how that's normalized. Uh, but what you just said about like the co-optation of y'all's first action, it, it really points out like the, the psychological nature of like dominance and oppression, uh, particularly in the workplace, right? Because it's not presented as villainous, right? It's not like, you know, a whip and lash and like, you know, this really imposing posture. It's usually like warm-ups and claps and aren't we so happy and look at all the work that we did, uh, but not knowing that like you are not, or not knowing, but not being aware that I'm not benefiting from being more productive. I'm being exploited by being more productive. Um, and so the the nature of, instead of saying your, your coworkers demanded this and I'm responded, I'm going to take away that power and say that we are benevolent. Look how great we are. Uh, to that group that heard that or to folks who don't show up to organize, how effective do you see these psychological tools, these team building exercises, these warm-ups, notions of safety when they don't obviously care about safety on a collective level? Um, 
how effective is that on the folks who are just present, who may not come in with like some economic analysis or know about labor dynamics? How effective is that psychological manipulation, would you say? It's somewhat effective. Um, there, you know, there's some folks that, that show up and um, they, you know, they're just that they're at stand up, they're working, they're just, you know, I'm, I'm just here for I'm just here for the paycheck, whatever. I don't care what they say. And then, you know, it goes in one ear, it goes out the other. Um, uh, I think that's probably most folks, honestly, because it's like, you know, we're just here. We, we're just here to make some money. Um, uh, but there's 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 definitely other folks that, that do kind of buy it a bit, especially folks that like are thinking about like, you know, maybe this is my way to move up. This right. is, maybe this is my way to like, you know, get a better position, be able to put it um, on my resume, a- accomplish a little more in life or something like that. Maybe, maybe like maybe with them, it does like it does. They do buy into it a little bit more. But the I mean, the effect overall is there definitely because like that's what management um, is trying to do. It's like their own little dictatorship, right? The workplace, they say what they say with the effect of maintaining control. And like much of that is like mental control because it's like, if you keep your people pacified, if you keep your people thinking like, you you know, oh yeah, maybe things are a little bit hard, but you know, they're better than over here. Um, Or, you know, oh yeah, they do change things. So yeah, I can just, you know, I I can just lay back and and just work or whatever. Maybe it's, it's bad, but you know, maybe it's better than other places. At least they're responsive. At least they do stuff. It is effective. Uh, and oftentimes when we've done actions on managers where it's like, you know, we're standing in the, turning in a petition in the front of a meeting or something like that. It's just very clear that it's it, for, for the top managers, it's like a competition for the audience. Like it's a competition for mm-hmm. our coworkers. They're like trying to win over as many coworkers as possible to make us seem unreasonable. It, they, they always do this. You know, and, and to be able to just like dismiss us and for them to be the ones that are reasonable and for them to be the ones that are right. Like their logic stands, you know, like this is just how it is. That's a really important idea of like you might be talking to them and they might be talking to you, but kind of both of you are talking to the people who are standing on the side. Right. And trying to say like, hey, which, you know, which side are you going to choose to be on? Um, I want to go back to the timeline for one second. So when you all did that first water related action. What other organizing was happening in uh, Amazon facilities across the country, whether you knew it or not? Um, the only one that I knew of was the workers in Minnesota uh, that have like walked out at a fulfillment center um, and an, at a delivery station. At that fulfillment center is mostly folks. I think it's Somali workers. Yeah, yeah. And um, a lot, mostly Somali and, women specifically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, uh, I think, were organizing around Ramadan, mm-hmm. and their grievances were around a prayer room uh, and the fasting and uh, the rate of work when when they are fasting. Yeah. Um, those are the first instances of organizing that I that I saw. Mm. So in the time between then and now, obviously this uh, collective movement around the country and across the world has grown and exploded and has been impactful, like not just on the like radical lefty organizer sphere, but really like in mainstream conversations around labor and around uh, the how our economy even functions. We will get to like what's happening right now, but what were the kind of points between now and then where you saw this really kind of grow in a way where you're like, oh, this isn't me and 15 coworkers at Krispy Kreme. Like this is something that is having an impact on an even greater scale. Like Krispy Kreme is great. I'm not here to knock Krispy Kreme. 
<laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, that was the first time that I'd ever been at Krispy Kreme. And, that, that and that's why that day school. was impactful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even... Never forget. It wasn't even 15 people, though. It was like six. Mm. And I think that's real important for people to, to think about because, like, uh, you know, oftentimes we get a paralysis of, like, you know, how am I going to gather 10 people? How am I going to gather 20 people? How am I going to have, like, a mass meeting, you know, to be able to kick something off? Um, usually, I mean, in my experience, it begins kind of small yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sometimes there's failed attempts at the beginning, but between now and, you know, the beginning, I think the, the, the one that sticks out the most was the PTO campaign, the campaign for pay time off at Amazon, um, which, uh, was actually started by, um, Amazon workers in Sacramento who also chose to name themselves Amazonians United Sacramento. Here, we named ourselves DCH1 Amazonians United in the midst of doing this water campaign. Because we're like, well, we got to... Y'all were the first ones to use that name? Yeah, yeah. Those my coworkers. Those my coworkers that came up with it. So I was like, Amazonians, that's what they call us, you know? Like, mm. I don't know if I want to call myself what they call us. They're like, now we got to flip it on them. You know, we got to reverse it, take it, take uh, ownership of it. I'm like, all right, fuck it, you know, fuck mm-hmm. it, let's do it. <laughs> um and so that's an internal language. That's something that like management like uses to talk yeah. about em- employees. Yeah. Do yeah. they ever think yeah. about the fact that there are people in the Amazon? Just a, just yeah, a thought. Yeah. So uh, whether management thinks about that, they, pro- they probably don't even care. You know, Amazon is the center of the world to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon, the company. Um, and uh, for us, that was a thought that came to my mind. I was like, oh, but you know, like, I don't know. There's like people, there's Amazon is a rainforest. You know, it's right. a whole area. It's like Amazonian people, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, there's a, a deep history of like indigenous resistance as yeah. well. You know? um, I just wanted to follow up on the PTO fight and get that story a little bit more. So, so, right. so how did that, uh, how did that emerge? Yeah. So uh, in Sacramento, the Amazon workers out there, they, uh, they had uh, one of their coworkers got fired um, because she went to uh, her, 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 stepfather or her father died or something like that and then amazon came and fired her because they said that um she uh she went under her attendant like the number of points that she had um she didn't she she, she didn't have any more time off unpaid time off uh and so the workers out there they started a, a petition campaign um and they also did a little bit of research they read the handbook of amazon which uh, interestingly is called the owner's manual uh, it, it's literally called the owner's manual. And <laughs> within that handbook, it said um, that we have a right to pay time off as long as we work m- more than 20 hours per week uh, and that we have a right to paid vacation time, neither of which we were receiving. Wow. Uh, and so uh, the Amazon workers in Sacramento started a campaign for paid time off. Uh, they did a petition. They then started wearing buttons. Uh, this is towards the end of 2019 that say Amazon is united for PTO. Um, and then um, they did a walkout like December 23rd. And it was like around 40 of 40 of them that walked out. We were talking about it at DCH1, you know, with our crew, DCH1, Amazon is united at our meetings. And we'd raise that question up ourselves too, to, to our site lead. We're like, hey, how come we're not getting paid time off if it says it right here in, the, in our handbook? Oh, you don't get it because, you know, you're part-time. It says right here, you know, oh, it's because you're class Q. What the hell is that? I never, no one ever called me a class Q. Uh, an inferior class of workers or something. We saw what Sacramento did and we we're like, you know what? They're fighting not only for themselves, they're fighting for everybody here. And so that means that we got to join this fight too. So um, we had a meeting, we created a plan, we did a petition, we got 251 signatures on the petition. And then we turned it in uh, at three, three different all staff meetings 
attended by three different groups of workers, morning shift and night shift. Um, and then um, also next thing you know, management is telling us at our stand-up, you, know, you all have the right to walk out. We're not going to stop you. Um, just make sure you let us know. You know, they wanted to know in advance. Let us uh, scan your badge as you're walking out so that we know how many people we, we're missing, blah, blah, blah. We're like, what the hell? That's so. That's <laughs> like how the uh, the mayor of New York just announced that New Yorkers aren't allowed to protest anymore in the panda. And it's like, you don't get how protest, like you don't get how walkouts work. <laughs> right. This isn't this isn't like a convenience for you. <laughs> exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. We're like, well, we're not gonna tell you. Why would we do that? You know, like the point is not we're not friend. We're not your friends. You know, right. we don't right. care. <laughs> we don't care about you. Uh, we care about us. And after that, uh, workers in New York, Amazon workers in New York started a campaign too. They were not receiving the paid sick time that they have a right to legally um, because of the ordinance in, the, in New York City. So they started a campaign for paid sick time and also for paid time off and for something else. So, you know, they, they, they started um, making some noise. They started organizing, doing a petition and whatnot. And so uh, this, instead of just being like a one site thing, um, for a national issue, it became a multi-site thing from coast to coast about a national issue. And uh, next thing you know, in the middle of the pandemic, uh, Amazon announces that that you know they're giving us PTO. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's great because I'm glad we got that because that actually feeds right into my transitional question of I, I want to understand a little bit more the structure of employment at, at Amazon, because it's a little vague for me, but I'll, I'll name my perception for you to correct. Uh, I, I think not only because Amazon is like the biggest global company ever, and Jeff Bezos is this uh, offensively rich and wealthy person, uh, Amazon is really interesting because it's at the intersection of like the shift of our economy, because so much of it looks like or seems like big factory kind of assembly style work, but it's m much more in conversation with like the temp gig economy is my understanding, right? That there are like factories where you can become a temp worker and kind of like not have the same protections or not be entitled to have the same type of like organizing leverage. Like when you say level Q worker, like I don't really know what the fuck that means, but I think part of their strength or their lack of vulnerability is that most young people are transient workers, right? Like we live in a gig economy. Um, so people are coming in and out. This is not the, I'm going to put in 30 years and get my pension on the assembly line type of space, but there is still an assembly line, unlike most of the rest of our economy. Uh, and so that's kind of why I see an extra part of the significance of the organizing there because it is like talking to old school organizing because you're in a factory, but we're also like looking towards the rest of the 21st century because corporations have found these new ways to categorize worker and labor and employee. Does that ring true? So we um, at DCH1, we're all hired directly um, by Amazon. There's at DCH1 people that have a white badge, which means they're, they're seasonal workers, although there's people that have been seasonal workers for, for four seasons or more. Um, it's a long season uh, and <laughs> every season. Yeah, so it's like, well, okay. <laughs> I'm an every seasonal worker. Uh, and then there's people with blue badges. It's like, look, it was, it was, it was warm in January that one day, you know, right, and yeah, cold exactly. in, in June. It's just the way, like, like you were saying to, um, to, to have more, uh, quote unquote flexibility for them to be able to manipulate their workforce more, um, you know, have more control, more power over people. Um, so yeah, there's white badges and blue badges. Blue badges are, are permanent workers. Although, I mean, what does a permanent worker mean in a, in a society where uh, workers are at will employees and can be fired for any reason or no reason at all? Mm -hmm. um, 
there's other places where they hire people through temp agencies. Um, and that that's a, a little bit more difficult, you know, and then like within Amazon, there's just so many ways that they hire people uh, for different roles. So the van drivers, they are all independent contractors. They basically hire on entire companies that just formed to like provide van drivers for Amazon. Wow. And um, those those workers are hired by the independent contractors. And so that's an avoidance right there of Amazon. Um, and then there's people that are flex drivers. They basically sign up on an app. Um, and then whenever uh, Amazon needs packages, which is every day, to be delivered um, <laughs> uh, like in people's cars or whatever to individual homes or, or you know, many homes in a little area um, that didn't get picked up by the vans. Um, you know, people just pick up their phone and like and and catch the the work or whatever the block. Kind of like a Uber Eats type of model. I think, I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so people are employed like like that. I I think that the organizing is still. I mean, of course, it, it, it's different in every place and every circumstance. But the basics are still there. You know, you you still got to form your organizing committees. You still got to um, figure out uh, what what the issues are. We're still all being employed by the same monster. It's just a matter of figuring out how we unite, how we build solidarity um, through those divisions that management sows um, and, and, and figure out how to fight together. Mm. So let's talk about what's happened in the last month to six weeks, um, because I know there was a huge amount of conversation like mid-March uh, as y'all, specifically at the Chicago warehouse and then especially in New York um, as cases were unveiled there and then they had a walkout and then one of the lead organizers was was punished and fired one what did i get wrong about that story <laughs> and two uh what's happened in the the month since what's changed for the better and what's changed for the worse basically what's going on inside these warehouses right now the pandemic when, when was it early march um mm -hmm. you know at first yeah, the first uh, week of march which one like the first second week of march yeah First or second, right? Yeah, I think at first people weren't really taking it too seriously. They're like, oh, you know, it's just like another flu or whatever. Then it started uh, being taken a little bit more serious. Uh, I think it was like the second week. And it was weird because myself, I was uh, myself and a coworker and my wife were on a, on a plane um, to Madrid, Spain, um, for an international convening of Amazon workers. Hmm. And as our plane was landing, Trump announced that he was closing the borders of uh, the United States to Europe, and we we're like, "What the fuck? Are we stuck out here?" You know, <laughs> I, I I didn't know that the pandemic was gonna get that serious, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, but in in the in the warehouses, like Amazon continued just operating as normal. Then cases started appearing, and questions started started popping up. And New York City was the first place um, that got hit by by uh, by COVID nineteen in in a, in a big way. The uh, Amazonians united in New York City. We're actually we're also the first to respond there, um, and it actually is not um, it's not the workers at the JFK eight facility. That's a fulfillment center. That's a really large center on Staten Island. It was actually the 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 workers um, in I believe it's Queens DBK one Amazon a delivery station that um, started organizing around COVID nineteen. They're the same ones that had started organizing uh, for P, uh, PTO um, and for the for the paid sick time. Um, they'd won the paid sick time. And then um, they started uh, seeing uh, this COVID-19 thing. They were like, you know what? We, we got to do a petition around this. We got to do something because New York City is getting hit and mm. Amazon's not doing anything. And so they launched a, a coronavirus protections petition. That thing went international. Um, it got over 5,000 signatures. Um, and they were also the first location that I know of to get a positive COVID-19 case at their workplace, at DBK1. 
management was trying to keep it hush hush, trying to not tell anybody. But since they had been organizing, they had like a little network of people, you know. And so like one of the workers overheard managers talking about it. And then they let the, the, the Amazonians United crew know. And then the Amazonians United crew showed up to the, to the, to the warehouse. Um, and they, uh, they saw workers in the break room. And they started telling folks, hey, did you know that there's a COVID-19 case here? And they're like not trying to shut it down. They're trying to just keep, keep this going. That led to workers actually walking out. Um, and then managers following them out that created like a little confrontation there and it forced Amazon to actually close down to shut down and pay those workers for that shift. Mm. And then Amazon tried to um, run the, the next shift, the morning shift, the Amazonians United crew showed up again and did the same thing basically. And they got Amazon to shut down for that shift as well. Uh, and th- those were the two, those were the two first big actions around that. Um, it was from there that uh, this, this, this petition started uh, rolling. Um, getting signatures from all across the United States, all across the world, and that we started having more communication between Amazonians United people uh, from Sacramento to to Chicago, to New York City, to other folks that wanted to join us too, about uh, how are we going to get these petition signers involved. Um, The the folks in in, uh, in JFK8, Chris Smalls and, and, uh, and, and the other workers there, they got a lot of media attention. Uh, I mean, they did a big thing, you know, they, they, they organized the walkout, and Chris Smalls got fired. Uh, he was, uh, I think, an assistant manager. So, you know, at least with, with, um, with how we organize um, Amazonians United, like we're tier one workers. We don't, we don't include uh, managers and stuff uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, there's some good ones, but, you know, they, they tend to be on the other side. But the thing is that behind them, uh, it, it was, was, you know, a nonprofit, a, seri- a, bit, a lot of nonprofit organizations that have a lot of relationships with, uh, you know, with the Democratic Party. Um, that have a lot of media relationships, that have a lot mm. of funding, a lot of staff. And um, that's, that's, I think that's one of the main reasons why that action got a lot, a lot of attention. Here in Chicago, we did four safety strikes um, after we got notified of the first positive COVID-19 case. We, we got um, the majority of coworkers on our shift to go on, to go on strike, to not show up to, to work um, and to protest outside. Um, in the middle of this pandemic, when wow. supposedly we're not supposed to protest or whatever, yeah. uh, and uh, it, it it had serious effect on on Amazon, and it was a pretty uh, powerful thing. <laughs> and yeah. they, they were still feeling the retaliation from it, and we're fighting that retaliation too. Hmm. Um, and th- this is this is kind of like the process that we're in currently. What has some of that retaliation looked like? As much or as little as you want to share. So we had uh, we had one safety strike on Monday Monday night shift mo- before the Monday night shift. One safety strike Tuesday morning. Another uh, one on Friday evening, and then another one on Saturday morning. This is end of March, beginning of April. After we had the fourth one, that's when they started targeting people, our coworkers. Um, they started uh, all of a sudden. We started seeing a bunch of new HR managers, uh, big shots, um, and then uh, um, you know a lot of uh, other managers we had never seen before. Ball-headed white dudes. <laughs> never, never good news. The more, the more they look like like Steve, the bodyguard on Jerry Springer, the more trouble you're in. <laughs> trying to look tough, you know, uh-huh. trying to trying to act like guards or whatever. Yeah. Uh, walking up and down. Supposedly they're enforcing the six-foot social distancing rule, and they started calling our coworkers, uh, some of the people that have participated in in these safety strikes, um, into HR meetings one by one. They didn't call me, but they called probably around twelve. 12 uh, of the folks that, that participated, um, there, was mo- there was many more that participated, but they, 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 for some reason, they just chose them. They were asking them questions like, what was the atmosphere like at this protest? You know, um, w- why were you all out there? What were you doing? 
why did you violate the six foot social distancing policy? You know that that's a policy, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, why didn't you scan your badge into the door uh, when you walked in? Um, and they started writing people up for um, supposed policy violations, hmm. um, which they um, have not been writing people up for at, at work. You know, it, it, it is retaliation, applying uh, policies in a discriminatory manner towards people that exercise their right to engage in collective action. This is Ill- illegal. Um, these are unfair labor practices. These are violations of our, uh, of our rights um, as defined by the National Labor Relations Act, which, I mean, you know, it, we don't, we don't, when we organize, uh, the law is just one aspect of it. But I mean, it, it can serve as a little bit of a defense. And so that's what we've been doing, filing unfair labor practice charges and starting a petition against retaliation. But it definitely has like a chilling effect, you know, because then coworkers see they're like, oh, you know, they're, they're calling them into, into, the, right. into the HR office. What was going to happen? What are they going to do? Are they going to get fired? You know, people are silent. People are watching. None of us have been fired. Uh, we're all still there. Um, they gave some of us final written warnings. But um, I think that they're going to end up having to uh, apologize and retract them. Um, because what they're doing is illegal. And because uh, instead of getting scared, um, instead of like quitting and like running away, instead of, you know, hiding, we fought back. We're like, hey, we're here, you know, and if you hit us, we're going to hit you harder. Um, and and if you want to play this game, we can play this game. We're playing it right now. <laughs> yeah. It's It's been leading to more confidence in our organization, more mm. people joining. That's beautiful. So in addition to the exposing and, and fighting back against these unfair um discriminatory meetings and labor practices. Um, what are some of the other demands right now that have emerged through this crisis um, that have not yet been met or have been met or in the process of being met? Yeah. So w- one of the funny things about Amazon is that, you know, they, whenever we turn in a petition, they don't, they don't a- a- accept it or acknowledge it or have meetings about the demands. They refuse to have any sort of group meetings. They, they just, uh, they're like, oh, you know, if you have issues, open door policy and, you know, we can meet one-on-one, right. even if like 150 people have the same issue. They're like, oh, we can meet one-on-one. After we did the safety strikes, they did a lot of changes. Um, they started taking temperature um, before we go into work. They started providing masks. They started providing gloves. They started bringing um, Clorox wipes or whatever. They hired on more cleaning crew. Um, they uh, started staggering our breaks. And most importantly, they reduced the volume of work. Uh, and so mm-hmm. the, uh, there was just less work. And so there was less people like, you know, crossing paths and stuff coming within six feet of each other. Right. Uh, and, uh, this is very important. One of our demands was, you know, if we're essential workers, we're out here risking ourselves, then you should only be shipping out essential goods. And they're not, um, they're shipping out all sorts of goods. We need all companies to be focused on providing what it is that the people need, you know, mm-hmm. not just, not just a bunch of, you know, junk. Um, and so it, we saw a lot of those, those kinds of changes. And now um, they are uh, taking away our $2 little uh, hazard pay or whatever. Um, they gave us $2 extra for coming into work during a pandemic. Um, and now they're saying that they're going to take it. They're taking it away. Um, it was going to be taken away this Saturday. And now they sent us a text message today, actually, saying um, that they're going to um, Give us a final extension of our two dollar uh, two dollar pay uh, until May thirty first. Well, because you know everything will be resolved by May thirty first. We got nothing more to worry about. Yeah, it's like completely <laughs> arbitrary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, again, your answers are always feeding or have been feeding right into uh, my curiosities because you said that internally there was some policy shift that seems to reduce volume per worker. 
But my understanding is that during pandemic, the in, the total volume of Amazon orders and deliveries has gone up as people aren't doing as much physical retail shopping because people can't go places. So, and then that kind of leads into as consumers, I think there's a very like liberal progressive. We want to like with our individual behavior be good or or not be bad and i think there's growing consciousness of we've become dependent upon this very very convenient service but it is has this harmful impact and the most harmful impact is on its workers um and so talking about how the volume of orders and delivery during the pandemic uh leads into what you think consumers should be doing how they should be approaching their prime accounts or you know making purchases from this service that employs you. Can you talk me through some of that like tension? Yeah. Um, overall, like in the overall Amazon network, um, I, I doubt, like you said, um, that the volume is lower. But the thing is, uh, and what, what we've learned at, at these international convenings of Amazon workers is that when, for example, the German Amazon workers at a fulfillment center go on strike, uh, Amazon uh, what they do is they simply reroute the orders, uh, avoid the striking fulfillment center, and they uh, get the Polish workers at their fulfillment center to fulfill the orders, and then they bring it back to the customers in Germany. So they just do a little runaround, mm, right? right. Um, and, and they mm. do this also when, you know, if there's, um, for example, in California, if, if there was, uh, you know, the, the wildfires and the smoke, if they had to close any facilities, you know, they have in their network their ways to, to redistribute the goods, move the goods around the problem. Uh, and so I, I expect that that's what they've been doing. You know what I mean? If, if they're not processing it through us, that doesn't mean that they're not processing it. It just means that they're sending it out through U, USPS, through FedEx, um, or through another Amazon delivery station. In the Chicagoland area, there's at least 15 Amazon stations. Wow. You know, like there's a mm. lot. And they're growing and they're building more um, in Pullman. Um, to the, in the in the wet and more farther out west, southwest, etc. The question of consumers: What can consumers do? I get asked that a lot um, because I think there's a lot of folks that want to be in solidarity. The individual like boycott or even like a collective boycott. I don't see that as too effective, honestly. Um, good intentions, yeah. of course, but uh, I mean half of half of uh, U.S. households have a Prime membership. You know, receive products from Amazon. <laughs> you know, we're not going to get, you know, how many people live in the United States? Like 300 million or something? Yeah, we're not going to get 150 million. We're not going to get that many people to, to go on a boycott. You know, that's simply not going to happen. That's not, that's not a good strategy. You couldn't uh, get, you couldn't get 150 million anyone's, but 150 Americans in particular, like 150 <laughs> million anybody's. <laughs> it's not happening. Not happening. To stop yeah, come on consuming. <laughs> not, it's not. It's not going to happen. You know. So that's. It's just not an effective strategy. So then the question be becomes. You know, what is an effective strategy um, for people that are on the outside that want to support? One effective strategy that we saw was on our fourth safety strike on Saturday morning. Uh, we were out there, and all of a sudden, we had a community caravan roll through. Mm. That was about like fifty, mm. like fifty or sixty cars or something that were basically, you know. It, uh, the warehouse is 28th and Western and 28th is a really little street. And they were basically just doing little circles between the parking lot and between this other parking lot. And th their circles basically did not allow for the, de for the delivery vans to go out. And so that jammed the whole thing up. You know what I mean? Mm. While we were there and like, this was, this mm. was self-organized by, by people in solidarity in the, in the community. Um, there was a lot of teachers. There was a lot of other union people. There was a lot of 
you know, friends that have just seen the, the other, the three other safety strikes that we had organized, that's effective solidarity. There's also a prime member solidarity campaign. You know, I think, I think that they're getting organized too, to figure out how they can be in solidarity with our demands, with what it is that, that we're fighting for. You know, that could look so many different ways, you know. What Amazon workers do, do, do you know, you know, if you have some organizing skills, if you have some, you know, some way of connecting people, who do you know that you can help think through how to organize or, or try to encourage to start organizing? Um, or, you know, if, uh, if you have a prime membership and you're paying a hundred something bucks a month, uh, a year, I mean, to Amazon, if you got some money for that, I think then maybe you also got some money for us workers that are trying to organize, you know, maybe you can throw over some, some cash to us so that we can have convenings. Um, so that we can get ourselves more organized, so we can, you know, help each other out when we got a sick coworker, stuff like that. Um, that's, I think, that's this kind of solidarity that I'm looking for. Mm. We we were talking earlier about the tactics, the strategies. You still have to build the committee. Like it's a it's a facility with workers. You're building on the on a person by person basis, and you're building power that way. It feels to me like this moment in this pandemic has the potential to really reconfigure how national and international labor organizing, one, functions, and two, is viewed in public consciousness. What do you hope, you know, two years, five years, ten years from now, is part of our national and international relationship with labor that doesn't exist right now? I know that's an enormous question. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess I just hope for more, more growth, more connection, more organization at a deep level at each work site that is fighting, um, is growing organization together with coworkers, um, is getting more coworkers politicized and uh, engaged in fights and figuring out how to get organized and how to fight. And that those fights, you know, Amazon workers are connecting with Amazon workers across the region, across the Chicagoland area, um, from Chicagoland area to, to Indiana, uh, f- from the Midwest region to the South region, um, and for workers to start connecting across industries too, you know, for, for us to start connecting with, um, the, I don't know, the tortilleria workers, yeah. uh, at, at Milagro that, that is the warehouse right behind us, um, with, uh, UPS workers that already have a, of a union, but, um, that need to, you know, get more, more organized, um, it, with FedEx workers, with USPS workers, um, you know, for, just for this organization, um, to grow, uh, more connected from the bottom, from the roots, not from the top, not, not like, you know, oh yeah, let's get a president over here and a president over here to connect, to talk, to chat, come up with some grand strategic plan for us, for workers to connect to each other and to build organization, build relationships, build trust, and really start, um, really start uh, fighting because like, it's so important right now. I mean, I just feel so much urgency, um, especially during this crisis, um, seeing um, all these elements, all these all these fascist elements rising up in country after country. Um, so many people buying into conspiracy theories. Um, so many people getting confused and angry at the world and not knowing what to do or what's wrong, what's right, and falling into like this. You just see the creep going towards fascism, and it's like right now we need a strong movement, many strong movements that like are fighting the correct enemies in the correct way. <laughs> That's what I've been working around the, around the clock for, you know, cause like we need that now. 
Yeah. So the thing that I'm really hearing uh, from you is the importance of the solidarity, right? Like equally as important as going deep in any one space, there needs to be a breadth or a widening uh, because even if y'all shut down, you know, your, your, your location indefinitely, there's a whole network that can basically circumvent the, the impact of the power that you organize. Uh, so like all of the spaces have to be connected. Um, and then another solidarity that emerged in the public, and I, 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 it seemed like there was overlap, but it's a different form of work. It's, a, it's retail as opposed to like the, man, uh, I guess, what would be called distribution uh, of whole food workers who are employed by the same overall corporation, but it's different businesses, um, whether it's just ideologically or in actual like technical organizing, what does the solidarity look like between these other places that have Amazon employees that don't necessarily call themselves Amazon employees? Um, or did it just emerge, right? Because May 1st was a big day where there was, it seemed like there was solidarity amongst these all these spaces. Yeah, so... Uh... I, I, I was a little bit annoyed on May 1st, to, 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 to be honest, um, because what was seen was a media movement. It wasn't really a deep worker movement. You know, like there was a lot of articles saying oh, historic strikes, you know, on May 1st. There was no historic strikes. <laughs> there was some action. There were some people that took some action, but there was no historic strikes. Uh, and workers know that. That's right. the thing. You know, it, it's cool to believe it. It's cool to want it. I want it. I want it real bad. But it's not what happened. Uh, and coworkers saw it in the news, you know, and they're asking me, hey, yo, yo, Sama, what, are, we, are we striking on May 1st? What's going on? How come no one told me about this? I've seen it in the media. Uh, so it's like, man, that's just the media thing. It's just, uh, you know, nonprofits, that's just activists. It's activism. It's, right. it's not organi- It's mm. not real organizing. Mm. It's not deep, you know? It's not like, it's not people of the working class, the people that like, you know, are, are just, you know, the common everyday people, our family, the people that we went to high school with, who we grew up with and stuff, like, they, they were not involved in this stuff. Um, and these are the people that we need to get involved. But the only way to do it is to be there with them. There's a big disconnect between the radicals, the left, the, the intelligentsia, the, you know, and the people. Um, and I think oftentimes that happens uh, in the process of college you know, being in high school and stuff and being put in the more advanced classes or relating more with people that are a little bit more uh, intellectual, you know, they just start separating us away and away and away from our people, from the, from, this is what happened with me at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. like, we need much more reconnection with those of us that, um, that like have thought a little bit broader about struggles and have like dedicated ourselves or thought about like, what can we do? Think about often about that question of what can we do to build power as people against these systems, there needs to be a, a complete reconnect or as much of a reconnect as possible with our people that, that we've kind of gotten separated with. Um, and like, how did I get into this? <laughs> I think I grew. I was asking about, I was asking about May Day. the most important thing in yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah. That's how you got there. Yeah. <laughs> I was asking about May Day and my perception of it from what I'm seeing. I, I couldn't go nowhere. I'm here, you know, seeing on social media. So, you know, as somebody who knows Oregon, I, I didn't think it was a, a a wildcat strike in that, you know, we crippled capitalism at its knees, but it did, did feel like there was momentum. It did feel like a lot of folks who just pay attention to Twitter or the news was like, oh, I heard people saying I'm not shopping on Instacart. Or we need to make sure we're not at Whole Foods today. So that was kind of what got into this notion of, you know, what movement or organizers or activists see and what media see is connected to this like 
deeper structural stratification that begins in our educational institutions that then creates this disconnect of we can talk about a few remote actions as a, a historic strike while the people who are being exploited or being or experiencing unjust conditions are not connected to it. And it's like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Like, I'm going to work today. Uh, <laughs> and so I think, you know, where you are is not like a tangent. It's like super duper important uh, to like the larger project. Um, before we before we wrap, is there any piece of this conversation you want to circle back to or anything you want to add or just anything that feels like a misconception similar to that that you want to, you know, use this space to clear up for our listeners and for us? What comes to my mind is that um, this reconnection, this like organizing at work, it's with a select group of people. It's with the people that came to work. You know, you didn't choose that. Right. Um, it's it's a completely different kind of kind of organizing and a completely different kind of building power. It's a really important thing to be doing right now um, because in in order to organize like the mass movements that that we need to. We need to be in conversation with the people that are on the ground uh, and in the spaces where those people are. And it's difficult to be in conversation with the, with the working class people um, if, if we're not inhabiting the same spaces where, where, where we could potentially have some sort of impact on the system that, that we're experiencing uh, that, that, that is oppressing us together at the same time. Um, so... I guess just a reflection from the past, you know, year, um, it's been some of the most beautiful times of my life, mm -hmm. um, connecting with people that are so, so real, that keep it so real, keep it real honest, that are real, beautiful human beings and, uh, seeing that transformation, uh, transformation in consciousness, uh, a changing in kind of like the, how we perceive ourselves in terms of power between ourselves as workers and managers seeing those kinds of shifts occurring uh, real time and seeing how they flow afterwards and what that causes in the broader workplace and then see those waves ripple out amongst society and amongst uh, in, and in other workplaces and then seeing like you know workers we have like hundreds of workers now fellow amazon workers contacting us um asking us like how they can do what we we're doing how they can fight that they're seeing the exact same thing happening and that they want to fight too. Seeing how much impact we can have by organizing in this manner um, is gives a lot of hope, especially for a lot of folks. I think that are losing some hope or um, are seeing this as really dark times. It, for for me and for those of us that have been fighting, I think that it's it's been it's been very filling of of hope that like we can make a change and that maybe we can create a different world. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. I have something that's right in the flow of that to end this. Um, it's more of a prompt than a question. Uh, so I, I, I want to just one big you up, but it's an offering also. Like I, I'm very grateful to have had this conversation with you. I'm I'm really thankful for your work, uh, and I appreciate and I admire the the value you have of like the the process, right? Like I hear you talking about organizing and about relationship building and about how to like engage and contest power uh, in a very like bare bones, this is the X and O's, right? And I think in the digital media age where you can mobilize so much quicker or you can communicate at such a wider place, uh, a lot of those things have like washed away. So I I'm always grateful when I'm able to learn from folks that are like doing the, the X's and O's. Uh, but I want to give you a little bit of space to dream. So as somebody who talks about movement and liberation in the world, 
uh, one of the things I say, but try to say humbly, work and employment by capitalist corporation, having to sell our coerced labor to capital is not like my vision of the world, right? So like we can organize it and we should fight and we should not ever like give up that space. But I don't think because folks like you that have to concentrate so much on like the what's in front of me, uh, you're not given the space to be able to talk about the actual world that we want. Uh, We just get to talk about like a better workplace. Uh, And I think we believe the better workplace to be a transitional step to a a more healthy reality. But in your experience, like what are you seeing of the world that you want, particularly as like work is transforming, labor is, you know, being reduced across the board. What do you see for this position of like human work? And and how do you want that to go as somebody who's doing the real deal organizing? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, for me, uh, it's organizing for control. Uh, and it's gradual, you know, it's not just, it's not just immediate. We have full control. We run this place. It's, it's gradual building gradual control of what it is that we do, how we do it, why we do it. And, uh, gaining that control at a local workplace level, um, and, and growing, growing it out from there. And for what I think so so that we can have more control over our, our economy so that we can have more control over what it is that we are doing, what it is that we're producing as a society, how it is that we are distributing what it is that we are producing to create a, a better world, um, a world where we don't have to work as many hours for what? We don't need to do that, you know, for a world where we're not producing a bunch of junk. Let's, let's produce what we need for a world where uh, the stuff that like gets distributed more, more equally and where we have more time to be ourselves and to be free and to do what it is that we want to do, to be able to create what it is that we want to create, to be able to have ideas and share those ideas with other people, share ourselves with other people, and bring those ideas to life, to get closer to nature, to just live in a more healthy way, healthy world, and not a capitalist one, you know what I mean? Like right. <laughs> a, a, a world that doesn't have borders, um, a world that you know doesn't have millions of people uh, Locked up, so many people, you know, living on the street when when there's empty homes, going in and, and becoming brain dead for eight hours every day or five days a week of your of your life, you know, feeling a complete lack of meaning, a complete lack of purpose. I think that what we are doing um, by organizing in the workplace should be aimed towards creating this this better world, and we don't have any time to lose. Uh, our environment is, is our world is dying. Mother earth is crying out. Uh, what we're seeing, uh, her, are her cries right now. And they're affecting us. They're affecting us very deeply. What I do is completely aimed in this, in this direction of, uh, of, of creating this better world that, that, that I think we all want to see. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That one, thank you. you. (laughs) And two, I just need, really needed to hear that last question, I promise, it's a two-parter. One, how can folks, <laughs> the two of us and our listeners, uh, contribute to the work that you are doing? Um, and two, what's something you've been doing, if not every day, close to every day, to help yourself be more okay through this pandemic time? How can people contribute? Uh, well, uh, you can go to DCH1, Amazonians United. That's our Facebook page. Go on there, like it, share the stuff. Uh, in the about section, we have a we have a we have a few links there that you know if you're a prime member, you can sign up on the on the petition for the prime member solidarity campaign. 
if you're an Amazon worker and you want to join the movement, um, we have a little form that you can fill out there. Uh, we can get in touch with you. If you want to become an Amazon worker, come through. You can build this thing together with us. You can fight, uh, fight Bezos together with us. Mm. And what am I doing myself? Probably not enough, honestly. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably shaving some years of life uh, off the end um, just because of, of uh, it's a big weight. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of movement um, that's, that, that we've had to create a lot of organization, a lot of friends, very good friends, uh, comrades that have been stepping up to help us uh, do what we need to do to get organized, to help other workers organize in other, in other locations. All this is a lot of weight. Um, and I have a lot of friends, a lot of community that have been coming together to help, help me carry that weight. And of course, I, I say me just because I'm, I'm talking, you know, yeah, the yeah. question was about me, but it's not, it's not only me, of course. It's been, it's been difficult, not, not like for me on a day-to-day. It's just like on an overall level, I know that it's affecting me. I feel it affecting me in my body. I feel it affecting me in my knees, in my back just my body, I feel like it's kind of deteriorating a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, I could also put, put in some more time to exercise. Honestly, the answer is I haven't been doing enough. Um, mm. What I have been doing um, is, is connecting with uh, the people that I'm building this with, having a lot of conversation with them. Most of the times, honestly, it's about the work. Talking with my wife, who's also organizing um, a campaign at the city colleges with one, one million degrees. She formed her own union. And, you know, it's caring, caring for her. And in the process also, you know, caring for myself because, you know, if there's times that we need to rest or whatever, um, if she needs to rest um, and she needs some care, then that means that I've got to take a little bit of time and care for myself too and care for her. And she does the same for me. So, you know, that's, that's kind of helped, but honestly, I haven't had the best practices. <laughs> a lot of people tell me, yo, you got to chill because this is not sustainable. But for me, it's like, well, there's no time to chill. Honestly, from, right. I don't think that there's any time to chill. I think that we have a lot of, a lot of stuff to build because we can either go down a really dark path or we can go down a, a little bit of a brighter path. And we need to go down that brighter path because the suffering and the pain that, that we're already seeing is just going to continue multiplying. And we need to, we need to reduce that multiplication as much as we can. We got to turn it around in another direction. Well, thank you for, I, I see when you said that, like, I see the work you do. I see the labor. I hear the toll and the importance and the values. Thank you for doing what you do. Um, and thank you for being here and sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you so much for chopping it up with us. Uh, we're at Ergo Radio. I'm at Ergo Kiss. I'm at Damon underscore AF. And we'll be back on the line soon, showcasing another person reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more equitable and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. This episode of Ergo is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. So we didn't.